everyone? Sure is good to see everyone this morning. You know, tomorrow is a day that our nation devotes to remembering those who've given their lives in military service to us. It recognizes the great value of sacrificial devotion and the courage that lies behind it. And it's exactly that value, one that is also central to our faith, sacrificial devotion and courage, that I want to take some time for us to look at this morning. I'd like to turn our attention to the words of Jesus in Mark chapter 8. It says that He calls a crowd uh, to Him along with the disciples, and He says this, Whoever wants to be My disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow Me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the Gospel will save it. Now this morning, perhaps you're an experienced Jesus follower who has really embodied this truth, and hopefully this morning will just be an inspiring reminder for you. Or maybe you've been a Christian for quite a while, and since you've heard so many sermons over the years about this, you might feel like you've applied it because, you know, you agree with it, but when you stop and think about it, Maybe you haven't had the chance to put this into practice too much. Or maybe this whole Jesus thing is new to you, and I still hope this will be an inspiring look at what it means to follow Jesus. No matter where you fall in what I just described there, let's pray that the Holy Spirit will give us fresh ears to hear these words anew this morning. They are so key to what it means to follow Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, these words that Jesus uh, taught, that He said, that He made clear to that crowd, to His disciples, and now to us, Lord, we pray that by Your Spirit You would plant them in our hearts and help each and every one of us apply them in exactly the way they need to be applied in our own individual lives. Holy Spirit, do that miraculous work as we open up Your Word today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. I want to give an overview of the dynamic that Jesus' words here speak to. It's one that plays itself out again and again in every life and has since the beginning. And I want to apply this then to our lives, and then I'll issue a specific invitation for you to prayerfully consider. And for the person whose all-request summer, which is the series we're starting next week, for the person whose all-request summer sermon request was, quote, how can we encourage people to step out of their comfort zones? Here's my best shot, all right? And that said, please know that my aim is always to inspire and instruct. I'm not interested in shaming or berating, even as we begin to talk about what it means to leave our comfort zone. So, this word that Jesus used here, uh, uses here, whoever wants to save their life, will lose it. That word save means to preserve, to protect, or to keep safe and sound. Uh, I like to think about bubble wrap at this point. Like whoever wants to bubble wrap their lives, whoever wants to keep, keep yourself just perfectly safe and sound. When I put myself in charge of keeping my life safe and sound, Jesus says I will end up losing a lot. Now we would call this in our vernacular today perhaps staying in our comfort zone. In our comfort zone, we're unstretched. We're not growing. We're remaining, as a result, immature. 
It's easy to be there, but ultimately it's dissatisfying and then frustrating. Our comfort zone kills our faith. Now, comfort is not always a bad word. Let's be super clear on that. It's one thing to be going through something or recovering from something. And the comfort that God provides, the respite, is a good and needed thing. But it's something else when our ease and our comfort become our aim. Something we get used to and then pretty soon sacrificing it or endangering it in any way becomes something we protect ourselves against at all costs. Now that's a sad thing when it happens in my life or in yours because there are good things outside that comfort zone. We could refer to them as our calling. A life full of meaning that we're intended to live, the love we're meant to show, the difference we're meant to make. And yes, you are indeed called, every, every, uh, every one of us, uniquely wired to make a difference in this world. It's what Jesus is saying when He says, whoever gives their life, then, for me and for the Gospel, will find it. We'll find the life we've been looking for. That is our calling. Our comfort zone will keep us away from it. And let's face it, what keeps us down here in our comfort zone, fear, apathy, and control keep us down in this zone out of reach of this life of our calling. Keep us from growing and becoming the person God intends and the person the world needs us to be. Fear that we might get hurt or look like a fool. Apathy that keeps our focus on ourselves, not caring about others and what they may need or what they may be going through. Control that uh, reaction against risk and vulnerability that we may inherently have, that need to orchestrate our outcomes no matter what. Some of us deal with any or all of these things at different times in our life. But they are all illusions that trap us in our comfort zone. They're not what we think they achieve, they never really do. We protect, but we get hurt anyway. We insulate ourselves, but the injustices of the world affect us anyway. We manage and maintain and try to keep things in line, but ultimately realize we were never in charge anyway. We couldn't control everything. And all that time, thinking we're doing something, we end up just staying stuck. And what does it take? to span this gap, to get past fear and apathy and our need for control. It takes boldness. It takes compassion. It takes surrender or, in a word, courage. Why do we so often read in the Scriptures? Um, Meredith uh, prayed it in our prayer a few minutes ago. Fear not. Take heart. Be of good courage. We see this all over the place in the Scriptures because God knows we need it. We're here he wants us here in being of good courage to get past the fear, the control, the apathy that any of us can find ourselves falling into. He knows it's exactly what we need. And so we hear it again and again and again and again. There are so many examples from the Scriptures of people answering the call to leave their comfort zones. Think of Abraham packing up and moving to a place he knew little about except that he sensed God leading him and that God was making promises to him along the way. Think of Moses leaving the ease of the Egyptian palace for the sake of justice and eventually freedom. 
Or how about those explorers of ancient Israel who could barely comprehend what they just saw as they spied out the land? We seemed like grasshoppers to those folks. They were, they were so big, they were so fearsome, they said, as they were afraid of the people of the land. But Joshua and Caleb declared, we can certainly do it. And they were almost killed for saying so. Esther, risking death in order to prevent a genocide when she could have enjoyed a royal life. Peter in the boat, hardly believing what was coming out of his mouth. Lord, if it's you out there walking on the water, tell me to come out there with you. And Jesus says, come. Now sure, Peter didn't walk for long, but you know what? The other 11 never got out of the boat, right? Or think of Paul answering the call to preach to, of all people, Gentiles. This was controversial and risky, for sure, to say the least. All of these folks called out of a comfort zone, answering with courage to the calling that God had for them. This has been part of human life, and certainly part of life with God, since the start. And it still is. It's part of my life. It's part of yours. This dynamic right here. Jesus uses, describes it when he talks about trying to save your life. You'll end up losing it. Let that go. You'll end up finding the life you really have always intended to live. Perhaps you are at a moment of truth today. Maybe finding the courage to leave your comforts and pursue your calling is exactly what's next for you. If the joy and wonder and excitement of your faith is waning, it might be it's time to grow. It's time to stretch. It's time to do and be something new. You're at a juncture in your maturity and your impact and your life and you're asking, what is it going to be? What am I going to be about? And what difference will I make for eternity? Perhaps you realize your comfort zone is killing you. It's killing your faith. It's robbing you of vision and motivation. But you're in a pattern, maybe a rut. And it's going to take some courage to level up, to dig deep, to find a new gear. And I want to help with that. Every one of us, I believe, has a bold next step that will stretch us and change us and grow us. I don't care how long we've been following Jesus. To move from down here to up here is something that all of us have a next step in doing. Here are some ways you might be ready and need to answer the next step of your calling. These may or may not apply to you, but I do find that they're all important steps in the life of every disciple of Jesus. First, it might be to put down some roots in your church and join a group. Perhaps that's something that you kind of held off at a distance, getting in that kind of community and doing something like that. But something in you knows, I'm not really going to grow till I do. Or discovering your gifts and learning how to serve uh, on a team according to the way you're wired in ministry. Around, uh, there's so many opportunities around here to do that. And maybe that's something you've thought about, you've heard us talk about, but you're not, I'm just not so sure. Stretching and beginning to uh, check out what that might be like, man, that might be just the thing that is your next step. It might be inviting someone to church. It might be having that convo where you tell someone you're a Christian, right? You let the cat out of the bag, right? You go ahead and let them know, yeah, I, I follow Jesus. My faith is really important to me. Or it's really helped me get through a lot of things. Or whatever that conversation might look like. Or it might be that you realize, you, you know, I haven't really given any thought to how I give. And the Bible talks a lot about where my heart is, my 
finances are and vice versa. And, and, and you know what? I, I, I need to answer that step, that call to give more regularly or more generously. I need to make that sacrifice. That's what we're talking about today, right? Sacrifice. Devotion. Any of those things could be a good next step for you. So make the leap. No, scratch that. Take the step to do what's next. And what you know, what you, when you think and pray about it, what you re- know you really need. You need it. Because your comfort zone is killing you. Any of these may be what's next for you. Now, having said that, I want to spend the rest of our time looking at another potential field of calling that might be just the next step for some of us here. In fact, I think it will be the next step for at least some of us here today. But I hope overall, even as I'm talking about this field of service in particular, that all of us can be inspired by the idea that this is who Jesus is inviting all of us to one day be. It's a place I believe all of us will one, can one day arrive at. I'm talking about being disciple-makers. Being disciple-makers. Let's think about this calling and the why behind our calling. Jesus makes it super clear in Matthew 28, where He turns to the disciples before He ascends and leaves this earth, and He tells them, As you go... Disciple people in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. In other words, pass it on. Invest. (coughs) Pardon me. Anyone have allergies that are just really eating your lunch lately? I definitely am. All right. We don't have to wonder about the why of our calling. It is absolutely right here. Whatever Jesus is calling us to will help fulfill this in one way or another. Living into these words is meant to be a part of the life of every follower of Jesus. We don't need to wildly stretch our faith in just any and all directions or wonder what that means. The direction of that calling will always include something about making disciples. There's a reason and a purpose and a goal. It's mature disciples of Jesus and more and more of them. That is our ultimate end, making disciples who make disciples. We live lives immersed in the reality of God and learning together how to live out the wisdom of Jesus. That's another way to simply state what we're looking at here. And the primary way this investing in others' discipleship takes place in our church and in the church since the beginning is in what we would simply refer to today as leading small groups. Let me ask you, who follows Jesus thanks to you? Who is following Jesus more closely because of you? That's disciple-making in one form or another. It is today the day you might take the step that makes a difference in someone else's life in this way, in someone else's eternity. Jesus said that our charge is to make disciples, or as you go any place in your world, disciple others. Invest in the discipleship of others. We're talking about the courage to give our life for others. That's what I believe the gospel of Jesus Christ provides provides the highest, greatest opportunity to do exactly 
this. And for each one of us, not a select group of a few heroes or an elite core of especially gifted people, but for you and for me, no matter our age or stage of life, our education, our income, you name it, doesn't matter. All of us get to and can, can, if we step out of our comfort zone, invest in the discipleship of others, an opportunity to give our lives for eternity's greatest cause. And for some of us in this room today, it's exactly what we need to do next in our spiritual lives. Nothing compares to investing your life into the lives of others. <clears throat> this language might sound a little bit lofty, but in the end, we're talking about something very grounded, very earthy, very straightforward. We don't need to theorize it out of relevance. It's the nitty-gritty of everyday life. It's life in a church. It's life together. It's this life that embodies this very thing we're talking about. The investment of our lives into the lives of others so that they can find themselves closer to God, walking with Jesus, learning from Him, overcoming their darkness, investing in eternity, serving in ministry, staying near Him. These things happen in community with each other, and we have a role to play in each other's lives. What will be said at our funeral? It will not be how quickly we paid off our mortgage or whether or not we got that promotion, however good or useful such things can be. It will be when we're gone and our names are forgotten. What is, it will be what is true in the lives of other human beings. Those both we've known and those yet even to be born. Their children and their children after them. It takes courage. What I'm talking about today, it takes courage to see your life as a means to a greater end. The discipling of others in their faith in Jesus is one of the greatest ends that I can ever come up with. I see it in the words of Jesus, and we devote our lives to it. Being part of a local church means you don't have to figure all that out or carve all that out by yourself, but instead it means folding yourself, investing yourself, planting yourself in the life of that local church. This is the way Paul said, said it to Timothy. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. That sounds pretty straightforward. Here's the way this thing works, he says. Entrust the truth to reliable people who are able then to invest the truth in others. And that's what we're talking about today. Some of us have followed Jesus long enough, and don't hear me say that it takes a long time, but long enough to begin investing in the lives of other disciples. Could be children, could be students, absolutely can be adults in a small group here at church. And so let me issue this particular invitation. We have 21 adult small groups here at Outlook. We have, uh, we have more student small groups as well. Our student ministry is based on small groups as well. But I'm talking about adult small groups just for the moment. 21 spaces where people circle up with one another, open Bibles, open hearts, open lives, creating space, not having all the answers, but gathering around the one who does in Christ. Amen? Great things happen in our small groups, and each of these is led or co-led by group leaders here at Outlook. And we do our best to support, encourage, and equip every one of them. They are awesome. Okay? But friends, we need 30 of these groups. Today, we are constantly meeting new people who are asking for a group 
who are craving community. We see all the, the construction going on around us. We see our local population growing. We are meeting new people every single week. And the number one request they have once they, they, they choose to make Outlook the place that they're uh, going to church is a group. And we see it every, just all the time. Craving community. People who are ready to be invested in, relationally, spiritually, in their discipleship to Jesus. And so the, that's the invitation that I'm issuing today. It is a call as ancient as the early church, and it resonates across the centuries, opening up our lives to invest in the discipleship of others. It is the call to spread the gospel in a very real way, one person at a time, one group at a time, one living room at a time, one week at a time, the next week, and the next week, and the next one. You can be involved in this great enterprise, every single one of us, Follow Jesus for long at all, and you will begin to sense his heart for others, for the harvest, for his heart for pointing people toward him, for drawing people to him ever more deeply. And you will begin to follow him that as you begin to follow him in that call and realize that you will, he has work for you to do in his church and in his harvest field as you go, he said, disciple others. Now, we certainly and wholeheartedly and passionately want to reach more and more people with the good news of Jesus. But we're not here merely to draw a crowd of consumers, but build a community of disciples and disciplers. And that means having the groups in place to receive people, really get to know and love them, and invest in their discipleship. That's why groups are such an essential strategy for us. Drawing a crowd is one thing. But making sure that whenever someone's ready to find discipleship community, we've got it, an open door, ready for them to begin that part of their journey. That's not, all, that's not convenient. It's not always comfortable. Perhaps there are other ways we'd rather spend our time. But I ask again, who follows Jesus thanks to you? Who's following Jesus more deeply or devotedly because of you? Because these seem to be pretty important questions to answer. In Hebrews chapter 5, we get, it, we get it put to us super bluntly. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others, the writer says. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. In other words, the writer is simply saying you've stayed too long in your comfort zone. By now, we ought to be investing in the lives of others and their discipleship. And in fact, there comes a point where that's the only way we're going to grow is by investing in others. We've soaked up enough. We've got to start pouring out, right? Some of you have reached a level of maturity and experience in walking with the Lord and life in the church. More pitch-ins or potlucks are not going to be the answer. More Bible studies for the sake of just knowing more stuff isn't going to cut it either. You're bored and you don't know why. You're hungry, but you're already stuffed. When we fill our schedule so full of so many things that exclude the most important thing, then what do we hope to reap out of life? And we wonder, why aren't we fulfilled in our faith? Why doesn't my church provide to me more programs and events that make me feel good? We can end up bypassing the one thing we need most, the thing that will nourish our souls most deeply, and the thing that will change the lives of others most completely. We want that shortcut that gives us a sense of community without ever have, having to actually learn someone's name or what's going on in their life and in their soul. But hey, I get it, truly. 
the draw, the gravitational pull of our comfort zones is strong, very persistent and strong. I'm just reminding us that nothing good, not really and truly good, grows in us when we stay there long. Remember, Jesus chose the least comfortable symbol imaginable to describe life in Him. Whoever wants to be my disciple, we read earlier, must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. So courage, courage starts with the discovery of a worthwhile cause. Friends, there is no cause more worthwhile than following Jesus and helping others follow Jesus. That's my conviction, at least. Courage starts with the discovery of a worthwhile cause and then giving ourselves to that cause without regard to our convenience or sometimes even our safety. The cause calls out the self-sacrifice needed, and the result of such courage is that others become courageous as well. I mentioned Abraham earlier. The apostle James writes about him, and at one point James says this. It's one of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible. It says about Abraham, you see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. So many times we, we, we begin to feel like it. We walk with Jesus for long. Our faith starts to feel incomplete. We, we feel dissatisfied, like I mentioned earlier. And, and what I'm urging us to consider is that there's some action for us to take, some way to leave that comfort zone, some, some stretching and growing that is, we're ripe for that will help our faith feel more complete. Again, that is my prayer for us all, a complete faith. Someone who is following Jesus or is living more deeply into their discipleship because they know you. That's what I'm praying for you. And it can absolutely be true of you. Don't count yourself out. You can be a disciple maker. It's what Jesus has commissioned us to be. It doesn't mean biblical scholar. It doesn't mean theological expert. I'm learning how to obey Jesus with my life. I walk with you as you do the same. We walk together, we grow as disciples, that is a disciple maker, and that happens, one of the ways that happens, a really powerful way that happens consistently, and is in community in small groups. So when we do reach the end of our lives, and we wonder what they were all about, let that answer be found in the faces of those who can say to us, I know Jesus, thanks to you. I walked alongside, I walked with Jesus alongside you. I stuck with this faith because you stuck with this faith. And I needed that, and God provided it through you. God used you in my life. Friends, let's be used by God in the lives of other people and in each other's lives. Let's put ourselves in a place to be used by God. And if answering this call, this particular invitation, or any of the others that I mentioned earlier, is something that's intriguing to you, I would love to talk to you more about that. Just reach out. Lots of ways you can do that. QR code on the back of your seat. Shoot me an email. You name it. Call the church. Let's put ourselves in a position to be used by God so that one day we'll look back and see that others are following Jesus thanks to that decision. If you want to grab your bread and cup here, every week we remind ourselves of exactly what we're talking about today. That Jesus, man, 
comfort zone and Jesus just don't go together, right? Uh, Jesus is extremely comforting, but never comfortable. And every week we remind ourselves of what it took to purchase the grace that we get to, to enjoy. Every week we remind ourselves of the cross and what it means that Jesus went to the cross. We quoted from Mark 8 earlier, the very next sentence in that passage is this one, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? In other words, if we lived all our lives in our comfort zone, feeling like we gained so much, but in the end never stretched, never grew, never invested, never sacrificed, never took that step of courage, then our soul withers and we lose far more than we thought we ever gained. Every week we take the bread and remember, Jesus gave, gave his life for us. And we receive that and we thank him for it. Let's take the bread together. And when we take the cup, we're remembering what it cost. And we're also inspired to live that, a life of that same sacrifice because he calls us to it. That's what love does. Calls us to that sacrificial love that he gave to us. Let's take and drink together. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for loving us enough to not let us stay where we are. You're always calling us to something more, another step in this journey. Or when we, You don't stop moving, Lord, and so following you, following you means we move too. Thank you, God, that you do give us tremendous peace and comfort in life, but you also love us enough not to stay comfortable, but instead you stretch us, you grow us, You really want us to become all that you had in mind from the beginning that we would be. What a gift. So Lord, I pray you'd help us. Help us to take that step. Help us to overcome fear and apathy and our need for control. And instead, Lord, launch out to do the next thing that it takes courage to do, but that you'll walk with us in. And it's in your name we pray all these things. Amen.